This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. As I mentioned, uh, Greg Oshansky joins me in hour two from ESPN. Aaron Portsline, uh, tough one last night for the Blue Jackets. They uh, they lose to the Arizona Coyotes. Clayton Keller, excellent in that game. Shane Gostisbehere, excellent in that game as well. We'll talk to Portsline about the uh, the Blue Jackets and uh, what's next. Uh, in the meantime, we welcome Elliot Friedman back to the program as he kicks off each and every show from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Fridge. Hey, Merrick. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm good. Something's bugging me before we get to Phil Kessel. What's that? And uh, and you know me, so it'll be trivial. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you watched the uh, the the Avalanche Rangers game last night, but as you know, there's a, there's a few games every night. You're like, ooh, I got I gotta watch this one. I can't wait for this one. Boston Dallas yeah. was one of those games. Calgary Pittsburgh one of those games. You wanted to see Kessel, but I really couldn't wait uh, to see Colorado and the New York Rangers, the return of Georgiev, yep. etc. Yeah. So this one goes to a shootout. End of overtime. Nathan McKinnon is still serving a penalty. Yeah. And he's the first shooter for Colorado. Does that? I mean, it shouldn't. I don't know. Like there are way more important things in life and more important things in hockey. But is there a part of you that says, I'm not sure that Nathan. I mean, it's fine. It's the rules. But is there a part of you that says he still had time on the penalty? Why is he shooting? Do you think I, that this I is something to, I that again, say... maybe should be a discussion? It pains me to admit this, but I am with you on this one. As a matter of fact, wow. in, the I, in the double IHF, he couldn't shoot. Correct. That's right. So the double Correct. IHF That's rule right. is if there's a shootout and you still have a penalty, you can't shoot. And yeah. I did ask the league about this once. I said, was there ever a, uh, a consideration as to having – the same rule in North America, and I was told, or in the NHL at least, and I was told the answer was yes, that it was discussed, but the reason that it wasn't brought in, do you want to guess why, why it was? Uh, the reason it was brought in is they want to have as many star players in the shootout as possible, and generally in the three-on-three overtime, you're going to have your star players out there. Jeff, you are bang on. And, and, you know, like, for argument's sake, last night, let's look at it. If you're a Ranger fan, you paid a ticket to go see that game last night, and uh, I saw the end of that game and I watched the shootout, you want to see Nathan McKinnon in the shootout. So uh, entertainment won. Uh, that's why that rule is not there. But it is international, and it was discussed, but discarded. Like so many of your brilliant ideas, Jeff, it was discussed and discarded. I I don't know whether my penalty kill idea was ever discussed. I think anyone that I've ever talked to about that one was like, okay, well, that's neat. Let's move along and talk about something else uh, more constructive. Um, Phil Kessel and the Iron Man streak. We talked about Phil a little yeah. bit yesterday um, on the program, and you know he gets it. It's game nine nineties. Also scores goal number four hundred. Um, he's ten games away from one thousand. And the point that I was making off the top of the program about Kessel is this: Fridge. I like Phil Kessel for a lot of reasons, and a lot of yeah. them revolve around the fact that Phil Kessel winks at old school hockey. You know, Phil Kessel looks 
and plays in a lot of ways like he's ripped from a 1982 hockey card. Like he, he looks profoundly different. It's very rare in the game now that we have someone who almost, I'm not going to call Phil Kessel a table hockey player because he's not, but he's a he's an up and down winger with an amazing shot. And when you think Phil Kessel, you're thinking, you know, maybe you're thinking table hockey winger and he's coming in and he's, he's firing the pucks in. Like players don't play like that anymore. People aren't taught to play like that anymore. And certainly no one looks uh, like Phil Kessel. You mentioned on the program the other day that, you know, he still, you know, can outlift a lot of guys. He's phenomenal on leg press, squat, all of it. Um, but what stands out to you about Phil Kessel now that there is a new Ironman in the league? Oh, uh, my, the uh, blog is written. It's coming out sometime soon. And uh, Rory's just uh, like wading through it right now, I guess. But one of the things, the thing I talk about at the top of the blog, and this, this really struck me last night as I was watching the game is, is this the last time we're going to see this? Um, you know, as you mentioned, he's 10 away from 1,000. And, you know, the, the next closest guy to him is Brent Burns, who's 300 games away, and Brent Burns will be 38 in, in the spring. And after that, the next closest guy is, is Johnny Goudreau, who's like 600, 700 games away from Castle. And, and so as I'm watching this last night, you know, I said to myself, I remember I was 17 years old when Doug Jarvis's streak ended at 964, and I and I and I always felt it was going to get broken. Like I never would have imagined it would have taken 35 years for it to to break. I, I thought at that time it was only a matter of time until someone did it, and someone would have done it. It was Steve Larmer, but he refused to play for Chicago anymore and ended his own streak on his yeah. own his own accord. But, you know, the reason is, and it's partly what you said there, Jeff, like you hear all the stories about Kessel, and he is a very unique person. I don't think anyone's ever going to be allowed to be like him again. Like, like think about it, Jeff, like his, the way he takes care of his body or doesn't, his natural strength, the way he plays Jeff, do you think there's going to be another guy? Like, can you imagine a rookie coming into the NHL and saying, you know what, I'm going to take care of myself like Phil Kessel does? It's just not going to be allowed to happen. Okay, let, pause on that one because I remember having a conversation with one coach, and uh, this coach was coaching in the American Hockey League, and Phil Kessel was playing on the NHL team. And the conversation turned to Phil and he said, you know, part of me really hates that Kessel's on the NHL team. And I said, why is that? And he said, I can't tell you how many guys on this American League team say to me, man, I wish I could just do it like Phil. Just show up, crack my knuckles and score 35, 40 goals. And he's like, we're trying to teach these guys to work and teach these guys to sacrifice. And there's Phil. You know, fun-loving Phil Kessel, who just, you know, shows up and puts on his gear, barely stretches, if at all, and then snaps in 40. He just has that ability. He goes, it kind of defeats a lot of the things that we're trying to do here at the AHL level. Well, I think you can live like that if you want to be a broadcaster, and I have for a lot of the last 30 years. <laughs> but you're right, Jeff, I don't think you're going to be allowed to do that as a player. So that that's one of the things I was thinking about watching last night, that – the legend of Phil Kessel, it ends with him. 
There, there's nobody who is going – I mean, I could always be wrong, but I find it very hard to imagine that many young players now treat their bodies like Castle did or B will be allowed to. So that's one thing. And mm. also, like, it's the same thing, too. Like, people talk about how he doesn't get hit, and there is a skill to not being hit. But now in this day and age, you are asked in the defensive zone to get in the way of shots. And, you know, he doesn't do that either. I think it would be hard for a lot of young players now or people to last a 1,000 yeah. games without doing that. I think the other things, too, that really stand out to me, Jeff, and we've talked about this, about how, um, you know, teams hate these streaks and they don't encourage them anymore. And unless you really deserve to be in the lineup, they're not going to encourage them. Like, nobody's got any questions about Burns, but because he's a great player still, but he is 38. Like, how many, how many, I mean, who knows? This guy could, could do it. But I, I just think teams hate these streaks. And the other thing, Jeff, I really think about now, too, is I wonder if we're headed into a new era when it comes to injuries. Like, I don't know if you listen to Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, on his podcast with Colin Coward, but he talked about that there's an acceptance of risk. You could suffer a concussion. You could tear your ACL. Like, there's an acceptance of risk in terms of going into playing a contact sport like football or hockey. But I watched what happened with uh, uh, the Miami quarterback. I always butcher his name. The Miami quarterback. Uh, a couple oh, weeks Tua, ago, yeah. Tua, yeah. And you now, if you've been watching the NFL in the months since, it's very clear that they're pulling guys out of games. And I just wonder if we're going to get to the point where in the NHL the same thing kind of happens where we're more aggressive about pulling people out of games. Now, I, as a player, I admit it, I would hate that. But I'm watching what the NFL is doing, and I'm wondering if the other leagues start to copy. There, there's also one more thing that I want to that I want to put on the stove here uh, for this conversation. We're now in the era of we all love the term, you know, game management, and we're all in the term of you know player maintenance and making sure you have the proper rest. 82 games is a lot, man. Like yeah. 82 games is a lot of hockey, and I think we're in the era now too, where you know understanding how important playoffs are. Um, you know, we all understand that rest is important, and if you don't play 80, like, I don't think there's any. I don't think put it this way. I don't think there's an expectation right now that every player is going to play 82 games. It would be nice if everyone was healthy and rested enough to do that. But you look at the schedule at the beginning of the week. I mean, you check out. Okay, well, this team's got four games this week. Now this team's got four. There's always like, a bunch of teams that have the four game weeks. Those are grinds, man. Those are yeah. You know, on I agree with and you. As we learn more about it. I, I wonder about, you know, uh, more, you know, pulling players out than ever before. We know certainly with goaltenders, uh, as well. You know, I, I agree with you in theory. I don't agree with you, Jeff, in practice. I thought about that, too. We all know that load management is a big thing now in the NBA, and it's also a bigger thing in Major League Baseball, but it's not in the NFL and it's not in the NHL. And I just think right now in the NHL, it's too hard to make the playoffs. I mean, it is too hard to make the playoffs, and I, I don't think you're at a point yet. I remember a few years ago, Anaheim talked about this with Ryan Getzlaff. And first of all, he told right. them to go shove it up their hat. But yeah. secondly, I, I think they realized that when you're a team that's 
on the borderline or, you know, even like it's hard to say. It's hard to say in the middle of a season, know when the right game is to sit out because it's like the NBA, there's such a spread and so many more teams tank. And, and uh, I think you have a general better handling of where you are in, in relation to a lot of other people. Um, I don't know in the NHL, like I don't think we're in any position right now in this league where you're going to see more and more teams embrace that. I know where you're coming from, but I don't know if I believe it's going to happen here yet. We still see it, though. We still see it at the end of the season when teams are tucked into their playoff spot and it's fine to start resting yeah. guys and this player's not going to have that, this player's not going to play, this player's not going to play. You know who I we'll, – we'll finish this conversation, and I always want to throw this player's name in there because we all remember how emotional he was when his streak ended. And as you're mentioning, oh, this, this will, will never happen again or we don't think it'll happen again. I woke up this morning and I'm thinking about Phil Kessel and the nature of the conversations that I want to have around Phil Kessel. And I want to make sure that we get Andrew Cogliano's name out there. Yeah. Now, his Ironman streak ended um, because of a suspension. He was at 830 yeah. games. And it was a hit on Adrian Kempe of the, uh, of the Los Angeles Kings. And we talked to George Peros um, on the podcast and how much it, it pained him to do that. Cogliano was a teammate of his in, in Anaheim. Uh, certainly strained a friendship um, and Peros maintained like look I can't not suspend this guy just because he has this streak going like I have an obligation to my position not to do this and you made the point right away that players hate this that players really hated that suspension because you know players are cheering for Andrew Cogliano in that circumstance much like they're cheering for Yandel cheering for for Kessel to to get the Ironman mark I just I don't know if there's a question here as much as whenever we have these conversations about iron men i always want to throw cogliano's name in there for each uh i i think you're totally right and uh i do remember that interview with with peros and i do remember talking to cogliano when that was all going on that was that was a really tough story because those guys were roommates and it did more than strain their friendship, Jeff. It, it ended their friendship. And um, I think that was really tough on both those guys. Um, you know, the one thing about that job that Paris does is that, you know, you get a lot of criticism for that job. It's the toughest job in hockey. But I think about it a lot about how he ended that streak of, of a good friend. And, you know, I... I that's brutal. I, I I don't know if I, in the same position, would have done the same thing. I don't know if I would have had uh, the cojones to do the same thing, to be perfectly honest. And uh, I think it's good that you bring that up because uh, it's tough on. it was tough on everybody involved. And I'm sure Cogliano looks at this and says, I could be at 1,200 games by now or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, just so we're uh, in the in the um, uh, you know for the for the virtues of transparency, Elliot, I would do that to you. I would have no problem. Uh, I might have given you more games uh, if that were you. I would I would have sat you down quick. Um, you know what? I'm, a couple I'm, of things if you here. Want to suspend I want... me, if you for want to suspend me from this show, Jeff, I won't <laughs> appeal. I promise you. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you about the Maple Leafs and Jake Muzzin uh, placed on LTIR, um, you know, freeing up 5.6 million for the salary pool for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
we talked about this on the podcast last week. It's never a good never a good thing when you hear players in reference to an injury talk about another player's family and quality of life, etc. So your first thought, and this one is always with the player, in this case Jake Muzzin, and his future with his family, with his kids and his health, etc. From a hockey business point of view, how much, and again, we don't know, we haven't, no one's talked to Jake Muzzin here, but we don't know the full ramifications of this and what's happening with Jake Muzzin, but how does this recalculate how Kyle Dubas looks at his team? I I think, uh, put it this way, like, I think that if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, first of all, the one thing I heard last week when he was hurt was they're not going to rush to make any decisions. Okay? I've been told that that they were going to take their time, they were going to go through the process, and they weren't going to do anything until they knew absolutely what they were dealing with. You know, for example, they didn't announce him as having a concussion or a head injury. They announced neck injury. And, you know, what that said to me was they want to avoid hysteria, but they're not rushing into anything. Um, so that's number one. Number two, this also could be about roster flexibility. But I think, it's, I think what it is is I think everybody understood the moment he left the ice in that game and they saw him and examined him, that this was not going to be a short-term thing. And that the Maple Leafs had to prepare for the possibility they wouldn't be getting him back. And I think that's kind of where they are. Until we get a formal announcement of what his situation is, I think that the team was prepared for the possibility that this is a long-term absence and they might not get him back. So I, I don't think this is a surprise like you uh, you just wish Muzzin the best. Uh, he's, he's had a hell of a career, and I'm sure on a lot of levels he'd like to continue that career. But it's very clear to me that everybody involved here is going to be very careful, which is the only answer. Yes. A um, couple seconds left here with you. I want to ask you about the Calgary Flames. Uh, Jonathan okay. Huberto. Uh, scores his first as a flame. Uh, Kadri is excellent again. The Calgary Flames knock off uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have hit a little bit of a speed wobble right now. Four to one is the final score. Not sure how much of the game you watched last night, but did anything? If yep. you did watch it, did anything jump out uh, at you about Calgary? And and again, I know I'm a broken record on this, but is it just me, or does it seem like every single time I watch the Calgary Flames, Nazem Kadri is the best player on the ice? Period. And again, you last know, night it, it, it's amazing. It, it, it's amazing, Jeff. You know, I, I was I wrote today someone. In the summer, when Kadri signed his big deal, someone said to me, and it wasn't only one person. Like, I had a few people who said to me, um, is this guy going to have the same hunger now that he's won the cup? I mean, I think we've seen the answer. It's, it's the exact reverse. Yeah. I mean, he, he's one of the best players in the league right now. And uh, first mm-hmm. of all, I thought, I thought Calgary jumped. Like, the, one of the things that's happened now in a couple of games now is they've jumped – after, you know, starting kind of poorly at some points, they really jumped on Pittsburgh early last night. Like, they were all over them pretty fast. And I, I like that for them. Um, I, I like, uh, you know, I think the one thing that kind of has me, uh, I wouldn't say concerned, but I'm wondering about for Calgary is, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, is Lindholm is just kind of figuring out 
his new reality. Yes. But it's easier to figure this Big out time. when you're winning, when you're winning. And they, I, I like them. I think they look really good. I agree with you. I think Kadri looks really good. Um, a couple of things that I thought of at the end of that game, you know, does this mean Vladar is going to play Edmonton this week? You know, that's their next game. And you know what Sutter said. And you you got to yeah, think know. that Markstrom is just – do you think that at the end of the game last night, Sutter got into his office and Markstrom was sitting there in full gear saying, you better be playing me on Saturday against Edmonton? You know, i, I got to well, think what's he's going to want that, that game in the worst way. The the one thing that we keep talking about with Jacob Markstrom, and we you know mentioned it to him when we uh, when we interviewed him in Paris uh, over the summer at the European Players Tour, like there is one piece of kryptonite in Jacob Markstrom's game, and you wonder how much of it is psychological, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Like he looks fantastic against every single team in the league that he faces, but he's got this Oilers thing. Like, I would think, you know, let's get rid of that during the regular season as much as we can and as quickly as we can because, again, we may have to face this team in the playoffs. I I, I don't know. Like, I, I get the thinking, but if I'm Calgary, I want Markstrom in there. Don't you? And Well, I would too. I, I'm with you. I want to put him out there and see what happens. But first of all, uh, I'm going to go on the limb and say that Daryl Sutter does not care about your opinion or mine. Uh, and and <laughs> oh, no, no, he's, he's, right, he's writing down notes, listening, <laughs> listening in yeah. Calgary right now. He's, he's checking all the notes here. Yeah, he's and secondly, he, he's also said he wants Ladar to get a game a week, right? Well, there's only yeah. one more game this week, and it's the one against the <laughs> Oilers. So, um, it, But the other thing, too, I was thinking last night is, who's Van, like, Vancouver's got Seattle. But then they're going to have Pittsburgh on Friday night waiting for them. And the Penguins will be ornery. Like, after two losses in Alberta, I'm not even sure a trip to the Roxy is going to save Vancouver from Pittsburgh on Friday night. We almost did it. We almost did it, Elliot. We almost had an entire conversation without mentioning the Vancouver Canucks and their situation once. And you went and wrecked it by mentioning the Vancouver Canucks and Seattle and and Pittsburgh. (laughs) By the way, I have something I wanted to mention to you. Uh, that uh, so last night uh, I went and saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar speak. He was in he was in Toronto, and uh, you mentioned that uh, you, when you think about him, you think about Bruce Lee. And uh, yes. he said in, in his yeah, talk the dragon. that he that he will still be stopped in airports, and people will say to him, "Tell me about Bruce Lee." Hundred percent. With, yeah. with with all, I, I, honestly, if I if I ever met if I ever met him, that might be my first question: is asking about first of all asking about the choreography and the fight scene, which still mm-hmm. to this day holds up as one of the greatest. I actually, fight I actually scenes watched it yesterday. In the, in the history I watched it of yesterday. Movies. It's so. I watched it it's yesterday. So it's incredible. Good. Yeah, that that it part where Abdul Jabbar gets out of the chair, it's it's incredible. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is shot so brilliantly and Bruce Lee just moves around this large human so fluidly. It's it's I just I love the way it's shot and those are two of my favorite you know favorite people, uh athletes, you know from that from that era. Like who doesn't love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and 
who doesn't love Bruce Lee? It was it was a it was a perfect perfect bit of uh, of of cinema. And uh, if you've seen Bruce Lee movies, you know that's the one scene that stands out uh, more than anything else. Um, okay, uh, you're released. Uh, we look forward to the blog coming out a little bit later on at Sportsnet.ca once Rory uh, takes all the lies out of it, and we will uh, we'll read that with great anticipation, Elliot. There will be nothing left. Take care, America. <laughs> there he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.